puts it to space. Good race, Hunter will get there first. Closed in on, Cats coming in from everywhere. Again, the tackle spills, and it's an ever. Rowan with speed, Rowan and May. Rowan should win the battle. Rowan's off to the races. Gary gets to the square. Gary kicks the goal. Welcome back to the big time, Jerry. He's kicked at the Hoskin Elliott. It's a winter classic. Collingwood are on top for a reason. Ten of the last 14 times when they've trailed a three-quarter time. And they've done it again. Welcome again to our two-man special. Um, not sure where Tim Sands is. On this earth, no, very in a bit. Would be it would be the answer. Uh, so, but uh, beyond that, I have absolutely no idea. He's been MIA for, uh, for a couple of days. I, yeah, for a couple of days, uh, which is fine. Uh, um, we just we just we just push on, don't we? The show rolls on. The show rolls on. Um, it seems it seems weird that it's a Wednesday night and we're harking all the way back to last Thursday. When the when, yeah, last, when uh when last round started, but uh but yeah, the cats had a win uh, against they did. Melbourne, which I mean, a, a was, good win too. Yeah, it was impressive. Seven points down at three quarter time, and I think they were visibly more desperate than Melbourne were in the last quarter, which is pleasing. Yeah, no, that showed too, and that was the difference, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, Gary Rowan knocked out Jeremy Cameron, so. He had to step up, I suppose. <laughs> and he, yeah, and, and, and he, he did. He was probably the best player on the ground, Gary. Yeah. Uh, but th- th- he's never a bloke you're going to get 26 possessions out of. And... Yeah, that's right. I think his value to the team, uh, the coaches know his value to the team, and that's chasing and pressure. And anything... Yep, that, that's his job. Yep, that's his job, and anything after that's a bonus. Now, uh Coming into this week, uh, Chris Scott has confirmed that Danger will return. Yep. Also, Asava Radigalia. Down back, you would yep. imagine. Down back. Uh, so, obviously, Cameron's out. So, would that basically a full complement of backline? Would. Yeah. Uh, so, you say they probably, to give Hawk, to give Hawk a bit of a chop out, they probably put, put uh, Jack Henry down forward. I would guess. Yeah, they've got they've got a couple of options, don't they? Yeah. I think Jack Henry yeah, that that could work. And they won't have they won't have Buddy to contend with on Friday night. No, that's right. So um yeah, it, it should all signs point to a comfortable Geelong win, I would support, uh, despite I I'd be very careful uh just, you know, playing a team just fresh off a hundred and hundred and seventy one point. Win and just uh, and just and um, just and just scoffing at them. I, I I'm not at that stage with Sydney yet. I I am because plenty. Of, there's been enough teams to have beaten um, West Coast by over 100 points. I know 171 is at the other at massively skewed that side, but Hawthorne and Carlton have both beaten them by 100 plus, and no one would argue that those teams are any good either. So the, the fact that Sydney would be coming up against different opposition this week. Would that play a what you, you don't you don't win by 171 points if the other team offers up anything resembling a resistance. No, you don't. 
Yeah, so they they literally so what, played. What can you, you what can you read of... into that? Nothing at all. So Sydney, uh, you, you can, Sydney showed up, and I suppose no indiv- one from West Coast did. individuals would have got uh, confidence. I suppose. Is it, um, is it yeah, confidence. confidence? So I it's, don't know. it's a false confidence. Uh, yeah, I think it's a false confidence. But uh, no, I'm not prepared to um, go gung ho and say Geelong will win comfortably. I never am. So you're not going to get that out of me. Oh no, and I'd be surprised if we did. But I'm I'm more than happy to throw that out there myself. Being the impartial man that you are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll roll with that. They won't, well, they won't have Buddy to contend with, so maybe there's one less key position spot. Is that is that really a loss or well, a missing he, piece for Sydney, though? I don't think it is. Well, yeah, yes and no. He takes a defender. So, but that anyone can do that. Yeah, yeah, they can. It's just he'll keep, what he'll do will keep someone occupied. That, so. Um, yeah, well, that's right. Him, not, him, that him, not, him not being there, him not being there may allow. May allow someone like a Tom, De, uh, sorry Sam DeConing, soon to be Tom, but Sam DeConing, um, <laughs> but in in the in our backline to maybe not play as tight as he w- would originally, and able to affect contests that way. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, that, anyway, that, that's Friday night. So uh, so we'll see how we go with that. And you, you wanted to discuss the. Hall of Fame. Um, I did, and namely three three players in particular that got inducted last night. So obviously, so like Jim- Foss, Foss Williams, uh, Bruce McAvaney, Corey Enright, yep. Uh, yep. Corey and Jimmy Bartell, Sam Mitchell. Yeah. Um, so just who was the other? Nothing, no issues. No issues with Choco Williams. Um, yep. Decorated Sandville career. Yeah, uh, uh, Michael Ash yeah, and. Uh, and Tom Lee, yeah, yeah, um, and look, they're throwbacks to state leagues as well. Um, this Hall of Fame has a has a media section, so Bruce McAvaney is more than worthy. Yeah, easy. Yeah, it was a no brainer. <laughs> if if you're going to argue that, you're an idiot. Um, but my, for for me, any Hall of Fame, um, it should be reserved for. The cream of the crop, the best of the best, right? Is it, but uh, haven't they got a section of that in the Hall of Fame for that? That what? So yeah, they, the legend status. So what yeah. you've got then for for me the way it should be is you've got your absolute cream of the crop, the best, the best of the best, and then and then the legend status is the guys that have separated themselves from the best again. So sort of your tier A, and then the legends is your tier A plus. Yeah, so um, do you, do you think which is a very should, select few. Do you think it sh- that do you think it should be a different system? Well, I do because the under the AFL setup, they've got to induct so many people each year as well. I'm not sure of the exact number, but I'm pretty sure there's a, a select number they have to. And I'm gonna we'll go back a few years as well when Anthony Stevens was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And I think Sam Mitchell, Corey Enright, and Jimmy Bartell all fit the same mould. Are they are they special players? Are they the cream of the crop? Are they some of the best players we've ever seen? I, I don't think they are. I mean, they're very uh, good players. They're better two, than average. I don't know. But, two Brand, two Brownlow medalists, three premierships, four premierships. Okay, so 
So it, are we going to induct every Brownlow medalist then and every 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 premiership winner? Yeah, what you don't want it to right. turn into is the NBA Hall of Fame. Which, which That's we, right, and we're well on the way. Yeah. I, Corey, when you think of you know best players of all time, do you think Corey Enright? Do you think Sam Mitchell? Do you think Jimmy right. Bartel? Do you think Anthony? Well, Stevens? who would you? Well, who, who would you leave out of that list? I wouldn't induct any of them, including well, Bruce. They've been. Oh no, no. As I said, I'm okay with Bruce. I'm talking about those three from last night and Anthony Stevens. Um. Uh, what, uh, Foss Williams? Well, Foss Williams is already in there. Choco Williams has joined him. Oh, yes. Sorry, Foss, not Foss, Choco. Yeah. yeah, and I'm fine with that. He had a decorated Sanford career, and they've got they've got um, guys that are inducted based on their state league careers, which is fine. So Mark Williams fits that, and then you chuck in his coaching as well. So I'm okay with that, but... Well, so um, what, 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 what if a player... Had four premierships and a Morris medal. This is the thing, though. Just just because he's played in a premiership, that doesn't mean he's a good player. No. I mean, Martin Martin Pike's a five-time premiership player. Would you say that he's one of the best players that's ever played the game? Certainly no, not. He was he, not. he was good enough to be selected in five premierships. He was good so. enough to be in teams and lucky enough to be in those teams at the right time. Yeah. But so let, let's not get carried away by saying, oh, he's a three-time, he's a four-time, he's a five-time premiership player because Martin Pike, yeah, no one would argue he was a great player. He was good, but probably nothing more. And then the other guys I mentioned, are they, I just think that, yeah. So being, being, called, being called a premiership player is probably more for the own, for the individual's more personal, um, yep. more personal satisfaction than anything else. Yeah, that's right. So, so I just don't think that they're quite like let's. And I'm not saying they were crap by any means or whatever. They're better than average, and they're better than good. They were very good players, um, and they played their role that they needed to for a very long time, and were consistent. But for me, I don't think the Hall of Fame is for those players. I think you need to be great. You need to be something that we haven't seen before or you need to have changed the game or or had some impact in some way. And I don't think any of those fit the bill. Okay. Question without notice. Well, going on your criteria, who should be the next? Well, it, so uh, throw some names at me and I'll just say yes or no because the eligibility is you've got to be retired for five years or more. Well... well yeah, well, yeah. So I'm just so, for example, if uh, Scott Pendlebury, or even throw some current players at me yeah, that might be yeah. able to. If, if Scott Pendlebury retired tomorrow in five years, would you have a problem with? Um, Joel, absolutely Joel, not. Joel, Joel Selwood. Joel Selwood. I think he deserves to be there. Um. Well, obviously that, and and that's a thing. That's a thing. So you said Scott Pendlebury and and um Joel Selwood. Now look at the four other names that we've mentioned, Enright, um, Mitchell, Bartel and Stevens. Are you going to argue that I'm wrong by saying that the latter four aren't on the same level as yep. Pendlebury and Selwood? Yeah so, yeah, so they aren't on that tier. And would you agree with so. that? Would you, say that Sel- would you say that Selwood and Pendlebury are markedly better than the others? Yeah, I think... Compared to those four, they're exceptional. Yeah. 
That's right. And that's that's my criteria then. That that sort of gives an insight into where I'm going with it. So some people will get up in arms about that, but you've agreed with me that mm. Salwood and Penderbury are markedly better than the others. And, and that's and, all I'm saying. And for instance, Buddy Buddy Franklin, forget Buddy Franklin today, he's um uh, but Buddy Franklin on his body of work. Oh well isn't isn't obvious. Yeah, you can't you can't deny that. He's gonna be in the top four or five goal kickers of all time. And that's what I mean. Like he's he's been a special talent and he's done things that others haven't. And, you know, when you're in the top top, you know, half a percent of goal kickers of all time that have played, you know, fifty, hundred games, I mean, you you're definitely in that top echelon. Does, does Luke Hodge get into that convo over Sam Mitchell because of his two Norm Smiths and so on and so forth? Um I well he, he's definitely got a stronger case, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, would would he be a walk up start? I'm not sure. Um, and again, I'd say that Salwood and Pendlebury um, were better players than Hodge yeah. over a longer period of time. Hodge Hodge is a wonderful player. He's tended tended to which which is all all players should do is that he tended to show his best wares when it mattered. When it and the two norms missed the test to that. When it mattered most, and uh, an example for that is Dustin Martin, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, he can. And, and again, float in and again, out again, you've thrown up two more names. So Hodge and Dustin Martin are they better than Enright, Bartel, Mitchell, and Stevens? Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. So the names you're throwing at me, sort of just. You know, I think gives strength to my point more and more. Yeah, and let's 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 use a bit of an NFL analogy as well. I mean, they're looking at putting Eli Manning into the Hall of Fame as well, and that's sort of along the same lines as what I'm saying. So once you once you start putting those sorts of players in, are you lowering the bar and are you cheapening the accolade a little bit? So you're looking less at accolades and more impact, eh? Oh, absolutely! Like it. it it, as I said, anyone can be a premiership player if you're in the right place at the right time. Mark Blake's a premiership ruckman. Brent Renoff's a premiership player. Mitch Morton's a premiership player. So premierships isn't isn't a mark of how good a player you were. Um, yeah, Robert Harvey never won a premiership. Um, Again, there's a bloke that would be deserved to because he 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 changed the way that that the games played a bit. Like he. The reason that players now are so hard to tackle to the ground and can keep their balance and, you know, have a strong through the hips in that core and keep their feet is because of Robert Harvey. Yeah, he's, he's had a lasting impact on the game. And uh, Nick Revolt with his aerial running. For, oh, he for, he for changed the centre-half forward position, didn't he? Yeah. So he was meant to be inducted, but he, he deserves to be in there. He's, yeah, so- he, he's made a difference. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you're just going, looking at the eye test and going on face value, rather than yeah, that's ra- right. rather than, rather than just rather than just ticking off accolades. Yeah, that's right. Look, and just ticking off accolades—that's a lazy way to do it as well. Anyone can read a stat sheet and say, "Oh, this guy won four premierships and you know played 260 games and did this and did that." Anyone can do that, but you've got to look at the whole body of work and you've got to watch them play and you look at the impact that they've had on the game and. Enright, Mitchell, Stevens, would you argue that they've had an impact on the game? Probably not. Exactly right. And that, that's very, my that, point. They were, they were just very good at it. 
they were very good players. They were better than average. They were better than good. They were very good. But I think the Hall of Fame needs to be reserved for great. If if you if you use the eye test, you would think, and it may be true, but you think uh, Gary Ablett Senior was a much more prolific player than say Jason Dunstall. Yeah, that's right. But again, both of them deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, based on what they did throughout their careers. Like Jason Dunstall sits what third on the all-time goal kickers table. Yeah, so that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, Look, there's yeah. only six, there's only there's only a handful of guys that have kicked over a thousand goals. So if you kick a thousand goals as a forward, then you you're pretty much guaranteed a spot. Yeah, obviously you've played uh, you've played the position fewer than uh, better than very very few. That's right. Not not many have ever played to that level to do yeah. that. Yeah, and, and you know Corey Enright's a he's a Geelong champion. Um, the if Geelong want to put him in their Hall of Fame, then that's fine. Yeah, I've got no issues with that. Geelong, but when we're Geelong talking about the AFL Hall of Fame, it's a different story. And and any of those guys that I mentioned before, I mean, if they if their clubs want to induct them in the Hall of Fame, well, they've probably got a very good case for that. But but when you're talking the AFL as a whole, the standard needs to be a bit higher. Yeah. Well, speaking of Hall of Fame. Um, that the, Carlton's list, by the way. Um, do you see any Hall of Famers coming on that at the moment? Um, I, I can count them on zero fingers. <laughs> well, so it's a good good launching pad into the Blues. Um, so we're gonna, I suppose we'll, well. Let me just ask you the question: Given where they are now, what what forget what the pass mark would have been at the start of the season? What's the pass mark for them from now to the end of the season? Um, in all honesty, I think just split your season record. So we've got one draw, obviously. Yeah. So if we can get to 11 wins and 11 losses from here on in, I think that's probably as good as it's going to get. So it could be enough. enough so to... we're currently currently five and eight. So if we can go six and three from here, I think that's that's a good result. And... And forget playing finals. That's out of the question. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's one of those things, finals, don't talk, don't even talk about it until it's even a remote possibility. And it's not even, it's not even close. If, if, if you know, if we win the next seven and teams above us win the drop a couple, then it might be. But I mean, that's, talk to finals is ridiculous. It's just, all right, let's, let's get through the season. Six wins out of the last nine games. Finish the season 11, 11 and 1, which is a good result from 5, 8 and 1. Yeah. And, and that's as good as it's going to get. And that's well, yeah. 11, 11 wins, 11 losses and 1 draw should not be enough to get you in the finals either. So, well, well to do that, you're going to have to beat, you're going to have to beat Frio in Perth and Port Adelaide and Collingwood and Melbourne at the MCG. Oh, I don't think you've got to beat them all. Frio in Perth well, is winnable. Yeah, well, no, yeah, yeah. Well, well, well those are the those, but those are, the are some of the games that you're going to be up against. Those are obviously. the those are the difficult games you got. Obviously, you've got West Coast, you've got Gold Coast at home, you've got St Kilda. Um, they're all very winnable. Uh, even this week against Hawthorne. Yes. Like, well, this, in all honesty, if Carlton want to be taken seriously and gain something resembling respect back, then this week has to be. A, a not a decisive win, but 
a comfortable win, talking five, six goals minimum. Yeah, I don't think... Because, we, because before the bye, we gave Gold Coast a bit of a touch-up. Gold Coast gave Hawthorne a bit of a reality check. So yeah. then we got to we got to back that up and come out swinging and, and put, be, put Hawthorne to, away. Should be able to put them to the sword. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to go into that game eight points up at going into the last quarter thinking, oh, shit, are we going no. to do it? No, that's right. And, you know, if we're, if we're 50 points up at three-quarter time and, you know, they get it back to, you know, five, six goals, that's, that's a pass, Mark, but it's nothing special either. Yeah, I think we'll... Oh, Port Adelaide had a game against Hawthorne uh, during the year. Well, they absolutely belted them off the park. They were, they, were, they were up by nearly about 90 points or something. Yeah, and they brought it back. And they ended up winning by about 55. And if, if it was Geelong that did that, I'd be more probably disappointed than happy with the win. Yeah, that's right. But, but, but Port Adelaide are in a bit of a different position too. That's disappointing for them because they're one of the top teams, whereas Carlton's not. So they just need to Carlton just need to separate themselves from the bottom four, really, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, look. Uh, eventually, when you build these sides, I know it's been a long time. Carlton keep building sides, but one of they one of these years, something's just going to click for them. Like uh, my example was, uh, I think Richmond in twenty sixteen, the last game they played, they just got belted by hundred points by Sydney. And yeah, that's right. And the um, next, and, and the, ne- those the next, days, next year, next year they're winning, winning a premiership. So a lot, those I mean, days a need to be things. behind Carlton. Yeah, but uh, so I'm just saying, sort of anything's possible if you can just get yourself a good launching pad and later and, in the and year. a launching pad into next year and, and some, I think and some st- stability and c- continuity too. Yeah. Um. To, to have a good launching pad into next year because if Carlton want to build themselves and prepare for finals footy, then that begins now for finals footy in 2024. Yeah. Um, and to do that, you need to be realistic about your list. You need to be realistic about the players that you've got. And what I mean by that is, is let's stop <laughs> pretending that this is 20, 2020, 2021 and 2022 when Cripps and Walsh were were stars of the competition. They've been nothing close to that this year. So let's hold them accountable and give them some home truths and say, you need to be better than this. You are meant to be leaders of this club on the field and off the field, and you're not producing on the field. Hold them accountable and and expect more from them. Don't give them a pass, Mark. Sam Walsh, too many Carlton fans saying, oh, but he had an injury, interrupted pre-season, and... Oh, Cripps is underdone. He's playing hurt. And blah, blah. Well, if you're a leader and you're playing hurt, you're not contributing. Um, you're not actually a leader if you know you're performing subpar and still insisting on being out there. Why would you not give someone else, step aside and say, I'm not right, give someone else a go? Because what that shows is you've got no faith in the players around you and you think you at 70% is better than someone else at 100%. I do what, and all there's also like your bottom three players too. So the problem is our the, the problem with our bottom three players is is you could name twelve players in that bottom three. Well, you could say all right, Cottrell, Ed Kerno, uh, 
Jordan Boyd that's going on the last game. Mm-hmm. So just your bottom your bottom three player. You're only good. You're only as good as your bottom six, sorry. They're the ones. So, they're the ones that make the difference. Yep. yep. Across so, the whole season. That's the difference. So that's where I'm thinking next year they've got to look forward. They've got to make their bottom half. One of one of the homes. Well, getting around Ed Coder, Ed Kerno getting around on the side. Um, let's face it, Cottrell's disposal just isn't up to scratch at AFL level. Blake Akers has been a waste of a yes. spot. Waste of a list spot. Jack Martin never plays. So I think you've got to shore up yeah. some of that. I think one of the biggest things that we need to look at is we've got Patrick Cripps, we've got Matt Kennedy, and we've got George Hewitt. Um, let's be realistic. You can't play all three of them in the same side. Um, one of them has to give way, and for me, that's George Hewitt. I think he's he's the least versatile and the least impactful of, of those three. Yeah, you don't really – I wouldn't call Walsh an inside-outside. I wouldn't call Kennedy an inside outside. Certainly no. wouldn't certainly wouldn't call Hewitt that. And what I mean by that is ability to be to break away from the clear from the stoppage. And, and and that's the thing, Walsh has shown that ability in the past, but he's come not even close to showing that this year. So let's hold him accountable for that. And if, if you want to use oh he had a back injury as an excuse, well that means he shouldn't be playing if he's still suffering the effects of that, and it's affecting his form. Yeah, and anybody who says Patrick Cripps is 100% fit, they're kidding themselves. He is, he, he's played two good games this year, and he's been a passenger in, in the others. Well, when and you, this is, this is when, what I mean about if we're using the rest of this season as a launching pad into a finals campaign in 2024, which should be the goal, you need to have those those discussions and those home truths need to be said now. Well, that's that's who you need when you're down four goals against Essendon. You yeah, need but when does that happen? You need someone to say, right, I'm gonna, we're going to put a stop to this. And, and the Essendon game's a perfect example of that. When, when the pressure went on and someone needed to step up, no one did. And... And who who has to bear the responsibility for that? It's the the guys that are meant to be the captains in the leadership group. And I reckon it's their job to correct the ship. Do you reckon the you reckon Voss's plan in place is fine? These players just aren't good enough to execute it. Well, you tell me tell me when it's happened. You know week after week this year that Carlton has had less disposals, less inside 50s and less scoring shots than the opposition. Not many times. Ha- exactly right. So so if your game plan um, ensures that you get more than your share of the ball or, you know, at least on parity with the opposition, you hold your own in the clearances, you get the ball forward, you get the inside 50s um, and you get the shots on goal... How can you blame the coach for that? That that's his job. His job is to implement a game plan that's going to be conducive to kicking enough goals to win a game. And it's not his fault that we've kicked eight fourteen and eight sixteen and seven thirteen and all these sorts of scores. You're getting twenty, twenty two, twenty four shots at goal a game. You should be in a position to win them. And it, well, he's only been there a year and a bit, so you can't teach players overnight how to perform 
under intense pressure. But can you teach it at all, or is that innate? Well, yeah, I think you can train it, yeah. But I, I think to a large I mean, degree, you more can't that, teach it. More of that comes with experience, I think. Yeah, that's right. And 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 you can't rush experience. And it's not just experience in individual. It's, in, it's experience as a team in those situations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in they uh, they have more than enough opportunities, and they've got uh, they've got to, they've got a couple of pillars down forward that you know a few teams will kill for. Let's be honest. No, that's right, and um, and and you can't you can't blame Voss because there's been plenty of times this year when I'll use Blake Acres as an example because he's the one that's got the worst disposal going inside fifty. Is when you're ignoring the um, and I think it might I don't know if it was no, it wasn't the Gold Coast game. It was a couple of weeks before was that. Was it the Essendon he's game? Ignored, Oh, I can't remember, but he's in, ignored Charlie Curnow, um, who's one out, and then he's kicked it to Matt Cottrell, who's running back into t- back with the flight of the ball into two defenders. Um, I think Cottrell actually, he may have even taken the mark and kicked a goal or whatever. But no, no, um, I think he, that, he, 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 no, he, did, crad, he, the ball came to ground. He created the contest. Oh, the ball came to ground. So he evened the contest, um, which was a good effort by him. But I can't imagine in their in their meetings during the week, Voss said, if we're in a position where you've got the ball on the half forward flank, just ignore ignore Charlie, who's leading up the ground towards you, just kick it into the space that um, is being guarded by players that Cottrell's running into. I don't reckon that was ever part of a game plan. So, so on the wing for Carlton, would you prefer, let's just say, let's go back in time, would you prefer having a Stuart Jew on the wing who basically just sat there and pinpointed people? Or do we, would you prefer a Cottrell who tries his heart out and gets to contest but continually turns the ball over? I would rather Stuart Jew who doesn't, uh, I'm not going to say who doesn't try, but who doesn't have the tank to get up and down the ground and run all day. I'd rather someone like him who's actually smart enough to know what where to be and when to be there and someone who's good enough to hit a leading forward. Yeah, so if, you, if you, you're relying on Cottrell and Acres to get the ball to you and you're a key forward, you're going to be pretty frustrated. You're struggling. Yeah, that's right. Even I even, think the key... even, even Walsh, Walsh isn't the greatest disposal. No. He just he just kicks those long, high-arcing kicks to a contest. If he's got to lower his eyes and spot up a target, he's unlikely to do that. And for me going forward, if, we, if you ask me sort of what sort of player does Carlton need a target in the draft, it's very, forget you know, um, you know someone who's athletic, someone who can run all day, someone who's got a tank, you know, someone who can run and jump. Uh, no, no, no. Some, someone who can, Whoever's, someone who can kick. Just let's just pick the guy that you think has the highest footy IQ with the highest skill level by foot. Get him in. That's what yeah. we need. We need to clean up our disposal. Uh, so yeah. if we've got someone who's smart enough to be in the right position at the right time. And he's got the composure and skill to lower his eyes and hit a forward. Let's get him. Like for example, uh... and if he can, only, if he can't, if he doesn't can't run a sixteen beep test, or he can't, you know, jump as high as Tom DeConing, who cares? Just get him the ball, and uh, he yeah, can if, if he can hit a target ball. Well, I think I think that's uh, St Kilda targeted and spotted uh, Wanganeem Malira and got him for that reason. 
Mm. They also took Liam Stocker from us as well, which <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, probably probably ticks a lot of those boxes I was talking about. Yeah, 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 do, yeah, exactly. So they they targeted Wanganee Mulira, and his his foot was like a laser, but and that's the reason they drafted him. It's a it's a very short list of players that are better than him by foot. Yeah, and so if that player's in there and they're available to the draft. If Carlton don't take him, that's just a blight on the club, isn't it? Oh, exactly right. Just if he's if he's a smart player and he's got very good foot skills, just pick him. Does I don't even care, you know, if if you know his draft projection is you know twenty spots lower than what we've got to pick at, just take him because we need to clean up our foot skills. So if you could replace Acres and Cottrell on the wing and just stick in a couple of draftees who can actually hit targets. You'd be surprised, yep. yeah. So you'd, you'd you'd be surprised uh, how more how much more efficient your forward line might be, and you'd be surprised how many more opportunities that Harry McCain and Charlie Kerner might get. And then Harry McCain and Charlie Kerner have to finish their work. Um, yeah, that's right. Put the onus on them. Make them accountable too. That's not a bad thing. That's no. one thing I think Carlton lack is accountability. Yeah, all clubs sort of don't sort of pay lip service to accurate goal kicking, don't they? Which is uh, which is which is baffling to me. Absolutely ridiculous. It's baffled us for a long time, and it's going to baffle us for a long time yet. So, um, so we play, so we play Sydney Friday night, and I'll be watching the game. If we'll, we'll, we will get ample opportunities down forward. If we don't make them, Sydney might be good enough to nip us. Yeah, and that should and, uh, they shouldn't be though. Yeah, well, this is what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe they're inferior, but if we I, if, I, if hopefully we, you understand what I'm going to say here, mm. what Sydney aren't going to win this game. It's either Geelong will win it or Geelong will lose it. I that, don't think it's in Sydney's hands. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. Like, if if they just fritter away opportunities and early and actually give them a sniff. If, they get yeah. a bit of they get a bit of momentum, and mm. it can yeah, and it could really, really crucify. And that's some of Carlton's games to a T. Yeah, that's right. They've, especially early, they've had ample opportunities to get themselves a handy lead. It's been it's been close. It's been maybe they've been up by maybe six to eight points instead of being up by twenty five. Yeah. That, that that makes a whole difference to another team's mentality if they're down by twenty five or down by eight points. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a mental difference. So, um, yeah, so the, the players like Harry, like Mackay's just got to pick. All right, I'm going to go around the corner when I'm on the boundary, but if I'm directly in front, I'm just going to kick. This this season this season's a write off. So. What he needs to do now is just yeah, good habits. Doesn't matter. Out. Doesn't matter where you've got the ball for your set shot. Just to kick a drop punt because his confidence is severely lacking, um, and most of that is because he doesn't. He never knows if he's going to take a drop punt or kick around the corner. Yes, yeah, he just needs to kick a drop punt every single time, and it's that simple. Just the direction to him is drop punt every time, and you know what? If he wants to kick around the corner three times this week, drop him next week. Anyway, speaking of dropping, um, this episode is going to drop shortly as soon as I send the email. Who are we sending the email to, by the way? 
Um, probably, probably our good friend and editor Josh Watson, I would imagine. Mm. And uh, obviously, we've got uh, the musical stylings. I wouldn't call them lovely, but no, no, no. Know, they're, they're very nice musical stylings of uh, Zaggy too. Yeah, as well. And um, just before, just just before we do sign off, we posted a couple of videos during the weekend. Um, just jump on and have a look. That absolute ripper falcon that um, Mason Woodcop to the face. Just a soccer off the ball from about three metres away that genuinely rocked him. And, um, mate, yeah. Probably not it, even that. It's, it's probably, probably less than a metre away. It's on our hey, page and if it, if it, it was amazing. If it genuinely rocks him too, that should be another category of falcon. Oh, it was right. very special. That is, that is Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, up in the top tier of falcons. Yeah, Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, I wouldn't call Mason. I call, wouldn't call Mason Cox as a Falcon because, well, someone just ripped his glasses off and threw him. Out. No, that's right. So, so poor old Mace. It's all right. you, poor I, old I could, Mason and Ben Keys. That was just immature, childish. It was stupid. Being just, being a being a glasses wearer myself, I I do feel for Mace. But you know that. But I, I, you know, if Ben Keys feels the need to do that, that's fine. But don't come out and say, "Oh, it was an accident. It wasn't deliberate." Yeah. Just say, you know what? I did it in the heat of the moment. It was stupid. Just just own it. Don't make excuses. Um, and uh, w w on future pods, we should discuss whether the uh, tribunal has a right to, to mark players' intent. Um, I remember Chris, yeah. Scott, Chris Scott was talking about it in his presser today. So he said, yep. you don't... You can't really tell what players' intent are and you can't punish No, it, that's so. right. Yeah. There's a lot of issues with that, but that might be an issue for another week. Yep, another week. All right, we're out. Until next week. <laughs>